Welcome to the Rooted Youth Ministry Podcast, which aims to advance gospel-centered youth ministry by equipping and empowering youth ministers and parents to faithfully disciple students towards lifelong faith in Jesus Christ. The Rooted Youth Ministry Podcast is part of the Rooted Family of Podcasts, which also includes Ask Alice, All About Boys, and Thanos to Theos. To learn more about Rooted, visit us at our website, www.rootedministry.com. I'm your host, Davis Lacey, and what a year 2020 has been. We are at least six months in to a global pandemic and COVID-19, and we are mere weeks away as this podcast will be broadcast uh, from a very important presidential election in the life of our country. Um, I'm so thankful that our podcast guest has been able to schedule time in order to help us think through the issues that are related both to the pandemic uh, and to the election and to just life in Christ in general as we talk about Christian freedom. My guest today is Josh Wester. Josh serves as the Chair of Research in Christian Ethics at the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. He holds an MDiv from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary and is currently pursuing a THM in Public Theology at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Josh, welcome, good sir, to the Rooted Youth Ministry Podcast. Hey, Davis. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, it is a pleasure to speak with you today. I'm so thankful that you were able to take time um, from your duties at the ERLC to speak with us today. I'd love to hear just a little bit more about uh, you and your family and what life looks like for you uh, as you serve at the ERLC. Absolutely. So right now, you know, I work at the ERLC, which is basically the public policy arm of the Southern Baptist Convention. And our work is, uh, you know, it's in our name, the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. What we do is we think of ourselves as like the former name of our organization was the Christian Life Commission. And that's what we're trying to do is help Christians think about what it what it looks like to apply the gospel to all of life. If I step back for a second and look at how I got to, you know, to this place where I'm, this is where I'm, where I'm serving in ministry. Uh, I was raised in a Christian home. I had parents who loved me and loved Christ, and they, you know, they took me and my brother and sister to church every time the doors were open. And they just taught me from a very young age to love Jesus, and they modeled God's love for me. And so, you know, church growing up was this incredibly, you know, formative thing to me. Uh, and, and in my spiritual life, I, I came to faith in Christ when I was eight years old and was baptized. And then, as a as a teenager, you know, I love to say. My story is one where I I can't remember a time in my life where I didn't love Christ, where I didn't think of Jesus as being my very best friend. And I know that when I was a child, it was, you know, it was my parents' faith that was being passed down to me. And at some point that faith became my own. But then as a teenager, I really began to make that faith my own. And so I was involved in youth group at church. I was involved in Bible studies at school. I was serving in student leadership for the Christian organization at my high school. And all through that time as I was growing up, I was trying to work my way through the struggle of being a Christian kid who really loved Christ, but was experiencing for the first time, you know, as a teenager, the, the counter pressures of the world, the, some of those temptations and the pulls that you feel as you're, as you're going through adolescence, as you are trying to, you know, face peer pressure and look at, understand what it means to follow Jesus faithfully in the midst of those kinds of pressures, the crucible of the teenage years. And so for me, uh, youth group, youth ministry, and a few people who invested in my life 
that was absolutely critical to helping me maintain my faith through those years. So once I graduated from high school, I ended up going to Liberty University, where I had a great time, really began to, you know, know and understand the Bible in a special way. I majored in biblical studies there. Following that time, I I went to seminary at Southern Seminary, which is in Louisville, Kentucky. Spent three years there just being shaped and taught the Bible. Served for four years at helping plant a church in my hometown in eastern North Carolina. And that was absolutely incredible. And that's what I was doing, serving in the local church up until the time I came to the ERLC to begin to serve full-time there. And so I've been in this role for three years now, and my life just exists at the intersection of faith and politics and culture. Love that. Um, several things there to, to tease out. Number one, where are you from in eastern North Carolina? What town in eastern Carolina do you hail from, Josh? So I grew up in a town called Rocky Mount, which is about 40 miles east of east of Raleigh, if you're familiar with it at all. Uh, our claims to fame are Thelonious Monk and Herman Boone, who was the coach from Remember the Titans. Yes, sir. Well, I lived in Kinston, North Carolina uh, for three years as I was a youth pastor there. Oh, wow. And yeah, so Rocky Mount is a super familiar place uh, to me and just just love being able to meet a uh, fellow Eastern North Carolinian expat. That's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, man. Um, for sure. And, and what I also love about your story is how... Uh, it is evidence of the fruit of youth ministry that you may not be in a quote unquote youth ministry specific role with the ERLC, but the foundation for the work that you're doing in the kingdom happened because your parents and youth pastors and uh, parachurch campus ministers in high school and in college uh, labored faithfully to shepherd you in the gospel. And I just love that as a vision for the parents that are listening, for the youth pastors that are listening, for the small group leaders that are listening, um, of just sort of what this work that maybe isn't always seemingly fruitful in the moment. You don't always see the fruit right there as it's happening, but what a great testimony for the power of youth ministry. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Josh. Absolutely, man. And I just want to say to all of those, you know, parents and youth pastors who are listening, I know how frustrating it must have been for a lot of the people who were investing in my life because you know, they would see me take these really positive steps forward. And then, you know, I would uh, enter this season where it, it was almost rebellious or I seemed apathetic or, or whatever. And I know that had to be, you know, insanely frustrating to feel like day in and day out there, they're laboring, praying for me, walking with me, trying to encourage me. And, and the Lord used all of that to bring me to where I am today. And so, you know, if, if there's anybody out there that's feeling frustrated, I would just offer them that word of encouragement to say, keep pressing through, keep watering and planting seeds and ministering uh, to your kids or to to the students that you that are in your life, because it, it makes an unbelievable difference. And it's not always apparent in the moment. Amen. Thank you for sharing that. That's that's helpful, helpful encouragement um, for anyone who's listening to that podcast. It's It's helpful for me, for sure. You know, as we think about what we're talking through today in terms of freedom and Christian freedom and the difference between what it looks like to be free in a cultural sense and free um, just in the Christian sense, I think that this topic of freedom is really on our hearts and really on our minds, whether it's are we free to wear a face covering or to not wear a face covering, right? Which candidate uh, for a House election or for a Senate election or for a presidential election is going to be able to give us the most freedom to be able to do what we want? 
Um, I think this topic of freedom is such a a, a talking point right now. Uh, I'm sure that it is for the parents, the households, the youth groups that are having these discussions. How do you see, um, I guess, maybe secular culture defining freedom and how is that definition different from how a Christian should define freedom? Does that question make sense? No, it definitely does. And, you know, it's one of the things that we think about all the time in our work at the URLC is trying to help people understand uh, a Christian approach to the subject of freedom. And so that has obviously been a huge topic of conversation as we have been in this season where one, you know, one of the, you mentioned it, one of the most prominent debates right now is over the idea of wearing a mask. And some people, you know, want to claim some spiritual exemption or Christian freedom or religious freedom in order to, you know, not uh, accommodate mandates or, or to wear masks where those things are required. That's, that's a, a hot topic right now in our culture. I think when you're, when you're thinking about the subject of freedom as a Christian, it goes back to the gospel. You know, the, the New Testament tells us that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free and that it holds up, the Bible holds up freedom as this really wonderful thing, but it's only wonderful if we understand it in the sense in which the Bible is talking about it. And so when we think about what Jesus did for us, that God sends his son to deliver us from the bondage of sin, where we are living in a world that is that is under a curse and that we were estranged because of our sin. We were estranged from God and we are, as you know, the language in the New Testament talks about, that we were cut off from the promises of God. And because of Jesus, he comes to bring us back to the Father. He comes to make a way for us to have salvation and experience the benefits and the blessings of eternal life. So when we're thinking about what freedom is, we're looking at Jesus coming to deliver us from the bondage of sin. We are, we are because of Christ, able to have a relationship with God. And so when it comes to freedom, what we're talking about is that Jesus has literally taken all of the pressure off of us as Christians because he did what was required to please God. He did what was necessary to overcome our sins. He took our place on the cross. And so we exist and live and experience the, the benefits of freedom because of what Jesus did for us, that he did the work. And, and we get the benefits. And so when we're talking about freedom, it is this knowledge that we are able to joyfully pursue a life of fulfillment in God because of what Jesus has done. So for us, freedom is not uh, as the world would think about it. So the most common way the world thinks about freedom today is this idea of individual autonomy, that I am a free-thinking individual person and I can do whatever it is I want to do. And that's what it means to be free. Well, as Christians, we don't want to say that we don't want to say that that's entirely false, but that's really not what freedom is about. Freedom for Christians is the ability to live our lives to glorify God and to know that we can do that because of what Jesus has done for us. So we get to live our lives and experience the all of the benefits and blessings of freedom because of Jesus. And so our first thought is not, how can I please myself? How can I do what I want? But how can I use my freedom in order to benefit others and glorify God? I love how you said that. Not what can I do to please myself, but uh, how am I now free to do things which please and, and bring honor and glory to the Lord? Um, I love that. What I'm hearing from you is that freedom is far more than a political issue, far more than a cultural issue, far more than a civic issue. It is a gospel 
issue. Um, how do you see that playing itself out in some practical terms? Like in other words, when we think about freedom, how does our Christian perspective on freedom um, both respond to the person and work of Christ, but also reflect the gospel to a watching world? Yeah, so I think that we shouldn't forget our history here. So one of the things I'm focused on in my academic studies is the subject of Christian freedom and the emergence of uh, religious freedom, specifically in the Baptist tradition. You know, if there's one claim to fame, uh, whatever you think about Baptists, if there's one you know virtue of the Baptist tradition, it is their longstanding defense of religious freedom. Because there there was a time when you know b- before uh, we. When we look back at the Baptist tradition, what we see is that it emerges out of 17th century England at a time when the prevailing theory of government was what is known as the divine right of kings. Basically, that the ki- that God is the one who puts the king in authority, and the king is not only the head of the state, but then therefore can claim to be head of the church. Well, that's obviously a huge problem. And Baptists recognized that and tried to say, hey, God in, in Christ, Jesus is the only Lord of the conscience. Jesus is the only uh, spiritual authority which we are called to be subject to. And the government doesn't have the ability to tell us what to believe or what faithfulness and faithful worship looks like. Well, that's a really important thing because now as we're talking about the subject of freedom and we're thinking about it as Christians, uh, it's not some abstract thing. It's something that is really, really important because fundamentally, we this is about, for us, salvation. We think that every person who comes to faith in Christ does that as an individual, that we can't force anybody else into the kingdom of heaven. We can't force anybody else to believe in Jesus. And because of that, we have to live in a society where people are free to believe, where they're free to come to faith on their own, and that there's not some force, whether it is government or the church, trying to command or force them uh, into adopting a certain set of beliefs. As a fellow Baptist, um, I, I appreciate the, uh, the Baptist history there. You know, from the Baptist tradition, there are enough black eyes to 10 sore spots to go around. Um, but it's, it's really helpful to say, yep, I, I totally agree with you. I appreciate that contribution uh, to the church and so thankful that you're, that you're researching that for us. That's blessing our listeners, even as we're having this conversation today. So thank you so much for that. Sure. Um, in uh, practically speaking, again, we talked through, um, you know, how does this reflect the Lordship of Jesus? You did a great job talking through that. Um, in, in what areas of life are you seeing either as you shepherd your own family, as you are, uh, faithfully involved with your local church, or obviously from the perspective of being involved with the ERLC in what areas of life, Josh, are you seeing Christians either misunderstanding or misapplying this concept of freedom? Like, how are you seeing Christians define freedom primarily by politics or by culture um, rather than by Christ? So I think that one of the most practical ways that we're having this conversation happen right now is... Uh, going back to the idea of religious freedom, we have seen since the outbreak of coronavirus, you know, I was talking about it with some friends last week on this. It was the six month mark since March 11th, which was that day that everything in America seemed to shut down all at the same time because of coronavirus. And one of the things that happened immediately after that was we started to see churches across the country close their doors. And some of them did that ahead of 
state and local government mandates, and some of them did that in compliance with state and local government mandates. And right now, uh, as we're recording this, the the things that are making the news right now are actually these, you know, these exceptions. But the really remarkable thing that has happened across the last six months in terms of church-state partnerships is that churches have, you know, overwhelmingly complied and, and been in many cases, ahead of the curve in terms of working with their local governments. And right now we're seeing Christians all across the country still trying to ask some questions. Some people's churches have partially gone back to normal. Some are meeting again in person inside their buildings, but they're trying to adopt all kinds of safety and social distancing measures. And obviously we we knew as soon as churches uh, began to close their doors in the first place, that this was going to create a messy situation because for some people they they think that where you know their church is overreacting or much too quick to put all of these you know safeguards in place and in other cases eat people are frustrated or having a hard time with uh, with some of the things that they think their church isn't doing. They think their church isn't doing enough or should be doing more things. We have seen a lot of conversation, though, whether it is at the level of churches or the level of individuals, about what it looks like to comply with this moment. And over and over again, you've heard this refrain from people that says, you know, I don't have to wear a mask because that violates my religious freedom. Or my, you can't tell my church not to meet because that violates my religious freedom. This is one of those ways that I think people people have to work hard to try to understand what it what it means. Because we think that religious, you know, obviously I work at the uh, Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. We think religious freedom is fundamental and of utmost importance. But not everything is a religious liberty violation. Not everything is an actual threat to Christian freedom. And this is something that that Christians really need to understand. Uh, You you and I were talking before we started recording just about the fact that it is so important to have thought through some of these difficult ethical issues before you're actually facing them. And so now in the midst of this, we're having to have a, a real conversation with what is and what is not a actual threat to Christian freedom. And we're seeing that play out in the midst of this pandemic. Yeah, we absolutely are. Um, and, and I want to even take this a step further. And we've talked through sort of in this day and age for Christians in general, um, where those lines get blurred between freedom from a political sense or from a cultural sense, and then what is truly um, a response in Christian freedom. But I, I want to talk about the teenagers that we're serving, right? The youth pastors who are listening and the parents who are listening to this podcast um, and maybe this is, is, is certainly time-bound to the pandemic, but maybe it's timeless issues as well. Where do you see the particular stress points for teenagers, right, to be tempted to live in a definition of freedom that is more defined by politics or by culture than by Christ? Where do you see these lines getting blurred for the teenagers who are in the church um, to live in a worldly sense of freedom rather than in a Christian sense of freedom, so when I think back to my own experience as a teenager, uh, I talked at first about, you know, just kind of recapping my story that you, as a teenager, I faced all kinds of pressures uh, from both inside the church, but especially as a high school student, just from the group of friends that I was hanging out and spending time with. And again, going back to this idea of Christian freedom, I know that one one of the major questions that, that you know, especially teens, uh, will ask is, well, is, is this okay? Like, is, does this cross the line? Do I have Christian freedom to do this? Or the Bible doesn't say, you know, you, you can't do this. And, and that can come up in any number 
of situations, but it certainly for teenagers comes up in the midst of conversations around around sex and sexual ethics or, or what they, you know, what, what is or is not appropriate in relationships. I think that is a is a big, uh, you know, point where where as young people are going through adolescence and they are dealing with all kinds, uh, some, in some cases, you know, for the first time they're, they're trying to make sense of what it looks like. The fact that they're not just a person, but that they're a sexual being. I think that those pressures come in and the idea of freedom comes into that conversation. The, I think this is why it's so important to understand that Christian freedom is not doesn't exist to give us a license just to indulge ourselves or see how close to any kind of line or sinful barrier we might get to, but to give us the ability to live in a way that is that is pleasing to Christ. And whether that is coming up in a conversation about sex or coming up in a conversation about academics or about uh, any number of other issues, I think that there this is an important thing for especially for young Christians to keep in mind is that their freedom has been given to them in order for them to live lives that are pleasing to Christ, as opposed to uh, enabling them to see how close or how much they can get away with. Yeah, I go back to what you said earlier in the podcast, and I even made a note about it, of, of it's not the question of am I free to please myself or how can I please myself? How far can I go um, and still be okay, but have as much pleasure as possible? The question is, how can I please God? How can I honor God? And I I think that's such a helpful, um, helpful distinction to stress for everyone, but especially to the teenagers that we're faithfully discipling. Josh, I want to ask you uh, about resources and some practical opportunities to teach on Christian freedom to teenagers. But before I do that, I wanted to let our listeners know uh, about another kind of resources. Maybe you're a youth pastor, uh, maybe you're a small group leader, maybe you're a parent. But do you know a high school student who loves God's word and feels called to pursue a future in ministry? Encourage them to check out Biola University's new Bible, theology, and ministry program. In just five years total, students can earn a bachelor's degree and a master's degree in preaching and pastoral ministry from Biola's Talbot School of Theology, getting a solid biblical foundation from one of the nation's leading seminaries. You can learn more at biola.edu backslash preaching. Josh, as we talk about practical ways or practical resources to put in front of teenagers uh, to help them think ethically or to help them think about Christian freedom, what are some resources or what are some approaches that you would recommend parents and youth pastors using to teach teenagers about Christian freedom? So I think the first resource that I would recommend is actually maybe an unexpected book to put in front of people on this topic. But if you are familiar with Kevin DeYoung's book, The Hole in Our Holiness, that is to me one of the, you know, one of the very best resources that you can put, especially in the hands of a, a young person, of a teenager, because in that, in that book, uh, Kevin DeYoung, who is an author, a pastor, uh, and just a really incredible, uh, gospel teacher, he holds up for us this idea that the that one of the key things that is missing from the Christian life, from our walk with God, is just what he calls like spirit-fueled effort, like spirit-driven 
effort where we as Christians do what we can to grow close to God. I love, uh, you know, I mentioned being a Baptist earlier. I love something that I hear often from my Presbyterian friends, which is that uh, avail, they, they say availing yourself of grace. And what they say, what they mean by mm. that is, you know, God has the grace. He gives it to us, but we we know where it is. We know how to get close to uh to God. And so we, we find him in his word as we read it together. We find him in the church and in the communion of the saints. Uh, we find it in the ordinances. We find it as we sing to him, as we pray to him, as we live our lives as disciples in as a part of the community that God has created. And so if I'm thinking about how to teach students about Christian liberty. What I want them to see is that that you're you're only going to experience the fullness of that if you're actually experiencing the fullness of a relationship with Jesus. And so rather than begin by saying here's how you can think about this subject, I want you I would rather say let's go to a place where you can think about what it looks like to know and experience Christ. Because as you're doing that Christian freedom is a thing that flows out of an intimate relationship with Jesus. So helpful. Um, yeah, Kevin DeYoung is, is such a helpful thinker, and uh, that book is an extremely, extremely helpful resource that I would also commend to, um, to our listeners. Uh, in terms of other resources, or just even in terms of, of this question, you know, what are some specific applications maybe of Christian freedom that we can help our teenagers think through, whether it's, you know, pandemic related or election related, or, or you even mentioned in terms of just sort of the day in and day out grind of, of being a, a adolescent who's growing into adulthood, whether that's sexually or whether that's life choices and, and deciding on what to do after graduating from high school. Um, any specific applications of this principle of Christian freedom that you would commend youth pastors and parents to really be proactive in addressing with teenagers? Yeah, for sure. I, I think that especially for young people, the thing that I would hold up in front of them when you're thinking about this subject of Christian freedom is the fact that what Jesus does. So if we're going back to the New Testament, we're just reading Jesus's words and looking at his ministry. What he does is he comes to set us free uh, from the weight of the law. What, what he describes is this heavy yoke that just weighs us down. And so what happens is as, as Jesus is teaching, he's preaching this gospel message and he's offering people this opportunity to have eternal life and to experience, you know, the fullness of life in the kingdom of God forever. What he is telling people is that he has removed this burden, these impediments and this barrier, uh, to, to know God and to experience the fullness of that abundant life that he came to bring us. So what does that look like practically as you're talking to teenagers? What it looks like is that you can tell them that this is uh, a religion that is about a relationship. It's about knowing Christ intimately. And so what that means is that it doesn't have to look a certain way. Christian freedom is about the fact that as you know God, uh, Christianity, of course, is a is a faith that has specific beliefs. We have specific doctrines and things that we confess together as believers. But my relationship with God is my relationship with God and and yours is yours. And so as we're talking to these teenagers, what we can do in terms of trying to set them free is to show them that their walk with God, their relationship with Jesus doesn't have to look a certain way. It doesn't have to conform to somebody else's expectations. And that that is everything from you don't have to wear certain clothes. You're not bound to think uh, 
to like certain songs or think certain ways. We, we, as Christians, we have general like guiding frameworks. We have big principles that all of us should agree to. But when it comes to those applications, especially when we think about something as polit- about something as, as complex as politics, what we want to say to our students is, hey, our job is to help mold and shape your conscience. We want you to learn how to think biblically about any of the you know complicated questions you're going to face uh, face in life, whether that is uh, uh, political, ethical, or otherwise. But we, God has given you a conscience. If you're a Christian, God has given you the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And rather than you being dictated to, you ha- living under some kind of expectation that you have to conform to somebody else's standards or somebody else's uh, expectations on you you're able to live being guided by the scriptures, guided by the Holy Spirit, and and guided by this Christ-shaped conscience. And so there's a lot, I mean, to, to use the word, that, that is where the freedom comes from, that you're not under some kind of heavy yoke. You're not bearing the burden of feeling like living a life that's pleasing to God isn't contingent on you pleasing or conforming to somebody else's expectations. Amen and amen. Um, What a great and amazing vision to put in front of our teenagers, right? Whether that's in the home, whether that's in the church, uh, in a campus ministry, what an excellent opportunity to proclaim true freedom uh, that is not only good for us, but is most glorifying to God. Josh, thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you for taking time and, and talking through this conversation. Anything else that is on your heart or on your mind as you're thinking about what you want to say to youth workers and to parents um, about Christian freedom in this time before I let you go? Yeah, I, I think I would just encourage them to try to make the gospel uh, central and wonderful to the the students that they are ministering to. So one of the things that changed my life was just realizing that in the gospel, I'm not being met with some kind of of taskmaster or harsh list of rules or set of expectations that I'm supposed to conform to. But in the gospel, uh, through Jesus, I'm actually being given the opportunity to live and to be free and to enjoy life the way that God meant for it to be lived. You know, understanding that we can experience right now the abundant life that Jesus uh, promised us has been such a liberating thing for me. And so when I think about this subject of Christian freedom, what I really want people to understand and what I hope that they will take back to the teenagers that they are ministering to is to help them understand that having a relationship with Jesus doesn't look like taking on a huge set of burdens. Jesus said that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And what he does Amen. is he, he takes away those expectations that we can't conform to. He gives us the ability to please and love and experience a relationship with God uh, that that starts now and can last forever. And it's not only beautiful, it it is where freedom is found. It's for that very reason that one of Rooted's five pillars or core values is gospel centrality, that in all things we want the gospel and the finished work of who Jesus is and what he has done for folks like us uh, to be central in everything that we do in youth ministry. Um, Josh, thank you so much uh, for this time. Where can folks connect with you and learn more about your ministry uh, if, if they want to do so? Sure. So you can go to my website. It's joshuawester.com. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at JB Wester. Uh, and then you can see I have a weekly column that comes out on Wednesdays at ERLC.com. And you can follow that as well. So ERLC.com, uh, find them on Twitter or Joshua Wester. 
Com. Uh, Joshua, thank you so much for joining us and taking time uh, to speak to our audience at Rooted. Absolutely. Thank you, Davis. And listeners, thank you so much. I hope that you have enjoyed this episode of the Rooted Youth Ministry Podcast. Uh, If you have, if it's been helpful to you and you would like to help us at Rooted serve others in a similar way, uh, there's a few ways that you can do that. You can obviously share this resource on social media. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, You can also leave us five-star feedback. All of that helps us uh, be able to, to help more and more people be equipped and encouraged to faithfully disciple students towards lifelong faith in Jesus Christ. For more grace-filled, gospel-centered, Bible-saturated resources, be sure to visit us at www.rootedministry.com. And as always, special thanks to High Street Hymns for providing the music on this podcast. On behalf of all of us here at Rooted, my name is Davis Lacey, and this has been an episode of the Rooted Youth Ministry Podcast.